Welcome to another episode of Exploring Art Podcast, a Florida International University student podcast for the creative curious. I'm your host, Natalie Fernandez. I am very pleased to have Brooke Dorsch and Leslie Bethencourt. Welcome to Exploring Art Podcast. All okay, right. so our first question. Yeah, we wanted to start okay. off by asking for you to tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're from. Okay. All right. Hi, I'm Brooke Dorsch. Um, I am the owner and proprietor of uh, Emerson Dorsch, uh, used to be known as Dorsch Gallery, which I started in 1991, actually. Um, so it was founded in 1991. We changed uh, the name to Emerson Dorsch uh, when my wife, Tyler Emerson Dorsch, joined the, uh, the, the gallery and um, to reflect her, um, I guess, you know, her partnership with me in the gallery. So that's what we renamed in back in 2013. Um, anyway, uh, I've been in Miami for about 40 years, although I'm not in Miami at the moment, <laughs> uh, but uh, at the time of this call, but I'll be back there next week. But I've been in Miami for about 40 years, uh, originally from New York, uh, moved down, started my gallery in 1991 in a upstairs uh, sort of loft apartment above a drugstore on Coral Way and was there for about eight or nine years. And then was one of the first galleries to relocate. I bought a building in Wynwood uh, back in 2000 and that uh, led to the expansion and explosion of Wynwood as an art destination. We were, we, I was the founding member of the Wynwood Art District at that time, was president for a number of years. Uh, we started with a group of about eight or 10 uh, people from the Rubel Family Collection, Marty Margulies, Rocket Projects, um, a, a number of other galleries, uh, Dot 51 and uh, Locus Projects. And uh, we grew that in about four years to about 70 to 80 galleries and art spaces. Uh, so that was back in about 2004. Uh, and then, um, uh, let's see, in 2015, I sold my building in Wynwood and moved to Little Haiti, uh, relocated there, uh, did a large build out and reopened there in 2017. And there we go. That's, that's about me and the gallery. <laughs> You said that you're originally from New York. So yeah. what made you want to start your gallery in Miami in 1991? Um, well, it, it was, and I've always been interested in, in art, uh, but I, I don't know if it was, um, I, I had started to uh, go at the time. Um, I, I, when I moved to New York, I was uh, from New York. I was only about uh, 18 years old. Uh, so I, you know, didn't have any desire on that kind of stance, but I was a performing arts student. And, um, when I moved down to Miami, I didn't see as much on the performing arts as there was, uh, in New York. Um, I was actually, uh, were, you know, volunteering at an off, off Broadway theater. So all that kind of stuff, but that disappeared when we, when the whole family moved to New York. Um, but, uh, a few years later, the visual arts sort of started to uh, pull at me. I started going to um, uh, to a lot of the uh, gallery uh, walks that used to be in. This is now the 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 late 
80s, early 90s in Coral Gables. Coral Gables was known for their, I think it's their first Friday of the month uh, gallery walk. I used to go there and I was sort of a little dismayed um, at, you know, like the, there was, there was, didn't seem to be as much excitement. I'd go to the, the shows. There were a lot of, um, I would say, other than a few spaces, but there were a lot of spaces that that seemed to have the same sort of roster every very similar works every time. And that's, that's actually okay. It just was, it, it didn't interest me as much as, as, um, as some of the other galleries, there were a few galleries, Frederick Snitzer, Gennaro Ambrosino, um, those, those galleries were doing some really exciting, uh, I felt new and contemporary, um, things. And, um, it interested me and I had this loft apartment that, uh, had this feel of like a Soho space. And that's what made me start the, the gallery there. I met a number of students from the university of Miami, um, and, uh, actually also in from FIU later on. Um, but, um, the the there were a few gal- students that I met there and I saw that them really had started having conversations with them and realized that they were um, really passionate about what they were doing and having a tough time getting into the Miami market because sometimes because they were not uh, Latin American because a lot of the galleries in the Coral Gables district were very Latin American focused at that time um, and I I wanted to give them a platform so I started that. Um, I started the gallery in, in 1991, uh, very modest living in, it was in my apartment. So, uh, but the, the living room had, uh, had a few windows that I wound up drywalling closed to be able to hang more art. And uh, I drive by the building every now and then, and I can still see that the windows are, are, are still walled up from the inside, but you could actually always cut them out and actually make them windows again. <laughs> How would you say that from the beginning to now, like how, how have you kind of developed your gallery from like that small space into? Well, yeah, there's been a, a, a very large number of transitions. That, that's something that's, well, that's something that's, um, you know, you're, I think within the art market, you always need to be able to to change and and have a, a very clear vision as to what you want to um, to to exhibit and and what you're passionate about. Um, and it definitely has changed. I I have to say, you know, I did not study uh, art, so I I was very self taught in terms of. Um, what I did, I just started being a voracious reader of. Uh, the art periodicals like Art in America, Art Forum, Flash Art, those types of things that were talking about things going on in the contemporary scene and started, you know, looking through that in dialogues with artists, a lot of studio visits. Um, and a lot of that has changed very drastically. And then it changed again um, from, first of all, it was the first space was a very modest space. It was only about 900 square feet, like I said, a small apartment. And... Uh, and uh, then, um, hold on a second. He's got another call here. Um, and, uh, uh, but uh, then when I moved to Wynwood, that's where uh, I had a little more freedom because I, had a, I went from a 900 square foot place to a 7,000 square foot warehouse that was huge that I also built my apartment in, um, had land next door, had another room for a studio for artists to live in. 
Uh, I had a number of artists that that lived in the front space with me as, as I lived in the in the gallery. It was a pretty sketchy neighborhood, I, I would say, back in in 2000. Um, a lot of people told me I was crazy going there, but then things started happening and it really changed. But from from what I the what I would able what I was able to show in the larger Winwood space gave me a lot more freedom because I was I was able to show large scale installations, uh, very huge paintings. You know, it was had 13 foot tall ceilings. So uh, from from a normal apartment, eight 10 foot ceiling. So uh, so yeah. <laughs> Since it's been about like almost 30 years, like you kind of have like a strong foundation on you know, your business and your gallery and a lot of businesses have that. But with 2020, you know, a lot of businesses took a hit. So how would you say that this pandemic has affected you? How has how have you helped yourself stay, you know, afloat and all of that during this pandemic? Um, so uh, one other thing that I should mention that I didn't mention earlier is, um, you know, the contemporary art market and galleries are, you know, a lot of them, you'll see them come and go. Um, and, uh, you know, because it's a, it's a very tough business. I mean, and one, one of the things is, is that I use to support that is I actually work a day job. <laughs> so I'm one, and there's a number of galleries that either have are self-funded through wealth or some, some have some other sort of funding to, to keep going. So I've always worked a day job and I still do. Um, maybe we have a family now, uh, Tom and I have a family, so, you know, health insurance and things like that, that adds up, but, um, you know, it's something that I can, you know, you know, as, you know, helps me do it. So it was a little crazy of me to be having this huge space and doing this all by myself for, for a number of years. Uh, so I was really happy when I met Tyler and she joined the, the program. Um, but, um, but, you know, because of that, I, I have my, my day job. That's, that's that. And the other really smart thing was, is that in Wynwood, I bought the building. Uh, owning the building was a very smart thing to do. Um, so it, you know, that, it helps me keep my expenses down in terms of, you know, the, the cost that I have my, I own my building now in little Haiti as well. So because of that, that helps me in, in a number of ways, helps us focus on the, on the art that we want to show. Um, we, we show what we want to show because we, and, you know, if there's no sales, we, you know, we can sort of handle that. Now, the difficulty is now with COVID is, um, you know, it's, it's difficult that you don't have the openings that you've had before. And one of the things that the gallery has also been known for is a lot of other type of events and performances. I've hosted numerous concerts, dance venues, um, uh, uh, all sorts of performances at the gallery. Um, and because I wanted to have that excitement that I talked to you about earlier about what I was seeing at the, in the, um, what, what I was seeing that I, what I was what I was not seeing in some of the galleries that I I, I admired in, in the, or didn't admire in, in the Coral Gable scene, excuse me, just that I wanted to have some more excitement to the gallery. So, uh, so you know, with COVID, you're not allowed to have a lot of those events that are you know really happen with a crowd. Um, of course, we've done a number of live screen stream events. We've pivoted very. Um, quickly to have um, making appointments on our website. So when you go to our website, the very first thing you'll see is make a, make an appointment and everything is now we are limited. But in, on the plus side, 
the the really nice thing about that is when you're at a, a large opening and there's you know a, no, a large number of people around you and everybody's talking about the art and it, it's hard to have really focused conversations now we have very focused conversations when people come into the gallery we have one-on-one intention we walk them through the show we talk to them about what the artist is trying to accomplish with the with the show and it's on a because we we only allow i think uh, eight people at a time eight visitors at a time where two people usually in the gallery at the same time um that that allows us to um you know, really focus on the visitors and and really walk them through the show. So that's one of the things that COVID has been positive about. And I know that it has shifted to a smaller amount of people, but aside from that, what else, you know, have you done differently to try to keep your gallery open? Not only that, but in terms of like social media and like digital, you know, because we all, we all knew that like, social media was eventually going to take such a hit on everyone. Like we would have to shift eventually, but you know, I feel Mm -hmm. like the pandemic kind of forced it to happen like a lot sooner. Oh, definitely. Well, you know, we, um, obviously when it first, when really when everything shut down, um, it's affected us in a number of ways in terms of we've held our, we extended our shows a lot longer. We, um, uh, we had to, um, because we we didn't know whether or not how long the lockdown was going to be back in March. So some shows, we we normally probably would have had seven shows this year. We're down to, uh, we just opened today, our fourth show of the year. So so we've held each of the shows up an extended period of time. Uh, But one of the things that we did is we're also part of a group that uh, does something called the Progressive Art Brunch. And this is a, a brunch that we would do on Sundays where people could go from one gallery to the next and, and gallery hop to see all the shows on a Sunday. Um, that was one of the first things that went virtual and we did it all on Instagram live um, and did the same methodology. We had a time slot and, and everything there. The other thing that if you look at our website as well, um, we had a lot of our artists do little video profiles of themselves and talk about their work. So. Uh, artists that we had in the shows that we had up, we did video profiles of those shows, and even artists that are that we just represent that we um, that you know we said, hey, you know, we want to make sure people still are getting engaged with what you know and being able to have those conversations with you. Um, they would do these small uh, video profiles, and we have I think about six or seven, and there's some coming every every uh, few weeks or so, coming up to the gallery and adding onto the website. The next question is just about um, the vid- um, to tell us maybe a little more about the video profiles and other things you're doing to what other things are you doing that how you've adapted your gallery to still be able to show the work aside from, you know, the more in the digital way. Yeah. So um, uh, uh, the first one was the video profiles. We sent those out and, and also those profiles get loaded up to social media, of course, uh, Instagram. Um, Facebook and get shared around in that way. Um, Additionally, we've had a number of um, actual Zoom call studio visits with artists and and doing that because we're, you know, different parts and and can't be in the same room. The other thing we've done is uh, we've also participated in a number of online fairs. 
there's been a number of um, art fairs that have gone online. Um, there was a uh, Aspen art fair uh, during the pandemic, instead of canceling, went to, uh, they rebranded as Intersect Aspen, and uh, we participated in that, and that was an online art fair. So works were made available, there were viewing rooms, those types of things were, were being done. Um, the, and we're right now uh, also, um, hold on, uh, and right now we're also um, doing Intersect Chicago, which is just, the, which is their next um, view of that and uh, or iteration of uh, our Chicago in, not, not our Chicago, but their version of it for Chicago and a uh, number of Chicago-based guys who were also participating in that online art fair. So, so those are the things that we've been doing. Um, and uh, that that's what we've had, we've had to try to, you know, just shift with more of an online focus. I, I will say that the there really is not um, the same number of, of, of people um, uh, um, you know, coming through to see it, you know, there's, there's, there's our patrons that are, that are coming that there are the normal patrons that come all the time, but you know, you usually have larger crowds and a lot of people are staying away because, you know, of the, the dangers of being out in, in, in enclosed spaces. Um, so I, I would say attendance is down, but it's not, you know, it's still, still very good. And we've been doing very well, actually. That's good. And um, could you tell us a little bit about your Clifton Childry Storm Inn exhibition, which ended on November 7th? Yes. Like, was it virtual, in person? Well, it, well, the, the exhibitions are set up, all the exhibitions are set up as, as full in-person exhibitions, and you can make an appointment to see them. Even prior to COVID, the, the exhibitions are up. Um, however, you know, you could also visit it virtually, uh, and we would we would actually do a video tour with it with you know holding a phone and we've also did some online um, tours of the video of the exhibition. Clifton Childry is a really interesting artist. He's uh, Miami based um, and he's known as being a filmmaker. Um, and he uh, but he would do these sort of 16 millimeter uh, black and white films that were sort of uh, Buster Keaton style, very slapstick. Um, and, but he would make them all himself and he'd draw and he would paint all the sets himself in his backyard. And during the lockdown, what he did is he had this idea for this sort of mock, uh, motel that would be in the keys. So in the gallery, we brought in, um, about 10 tons of peat rock gravel, put it on the ground to make it simulate sort of like the keys and give you that keys feeling. And then there were these paintings that were made with uh, old like shutter window shutters on them that looked like they were mechanical, uh, that you could turn a crank and, and animate them, which is sort of similar like what would happen in his films, but they were straight up paintings that were made in his backyard during the lockdown. And they were supposed to be these sort of uh, arcade style signs that you would, you would do for to, um, um, to, I guess to um, to sort of like advertise the the, the the motel or storm in whatever it was. So they had lights on them, but that didn't work. But they were sort of like very, um, like I said, uh, very. He likes these old timey things that look 
sort of like old and weathered. And so he mixed marble dust into the paint to give them that weathered feel. He made them gave the illusion that they really moved around a lot, even though they were fixed. So they were really fascinating. You can go online and still see images of them. And uh, on our Instagram page, you can also still see a, a, a tour of him. And there was a discussion with um, the local writer by the, and artist by the name of Aaron Thurlow and Clifton. They had a, a good hour long, like sort of talk about the work. And we did that all also uh, live. And then it gets saved and, and um, uh, as made a record for it on our, our website. Mm, that's that's very cool how you described um described his work and so i want to thank you for joining us so much today brooke dorsch and leslie bethencourt i really appreciate it this concludes exploring art podcasts subscribe to exploring art podcast on itunes spotify soundcloud or wherever you get your podcasts thank you for listening and please join us soon and remember to stay curious